Hey, and welcome to Beyond Motherhood Radio. I am so honored to share this space with you. Here we'll talk all things motherhood, parenting, relationships, mindset, child development, and tapping into your purpose, all to help you live your most aligned and best life. My name is Brittany, and I am married to my high school sweetheart, a mother to four children under the age of six, a certified parenting coach, and a former elementary school teacher turned stay-at-home mom. I am on a mission to help you raise amazing humans while living your purpose and staying somewhat sane in the process. If you're ready to go beyond motherhood, let's jump in. Hello, Beyond Motherhood listeners. This week, we're diving back into the vault and sharing one of my favorite episodes all about boundaries. I chose this episode to revisit because with the holidays approaching, it's important to honor ourselves and our families. And in my experience and my opinion, one of the most prominent ways we can do that is to stay true to our core values, especially when we're spending time with members of our family that are not familiar with our parenting styles or may hold more of a power over parenting philosophy. I'm excited for you to revisit boundaries today. And if you need to reevaluate before the holidays, there's no time like the present. Sending you strength and empowerment today and for the weeks to come. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome back to the latest episode of Beyond Motherhood Radio. Today's conversation will be one that many of us will be able to connect with because today we're talking about boundaries. I got this question from a listener a few weeks ago and I could not wait to share my response, but I want to preface this with, as with all the topics you'll hear about on this podcast, I share insight from both my personal experience, brain science and child development. However, please never take what I say as the only way to do things or the ultimate truth because these conversations are ideally meant to empower you and perhaps shift your mindset or thinking, but it's never made to make you feel less than or like you're doing something wrong. So with that, let's jump in. Here is the question that I received. I thought it was so insightful. And again, something that we can all relate to. She said, how do I hold boundaries with my kids and not feel like the worst mom in the world? So I want to offer this first before I jump into the boundary setting and, you know, that conversation. My question here is, what in this situation is making you feel like the worst mom in the world? Is it the tantrum, the resistance, the tears? What types of things are triggering for you in this moment? Because when we talk about parenting, we have to be honest with ourselves and we have to understand that we're reparenting ourselves a lot of the times. And without getting too much into generational parenting on this episode, I I would be remiss to totally brush past the second part of this comment, because when we are in the trenches with our children, you will feel things that you didn't know you would feel again. For example, if you say, I feel like the worst mom in the world when my kids throw a tantrum when I ask them to put their shoes on. It is very possible that your body is remembering when you were asked to put your shoes on as a child and maybe you asked for help, but you were never given it. So because you were never given help as a child in your home, you perhaps grew up to do things on your own and become independent. And when you develop independence early on, you were celebrated as a good and smart kid. And then you possibly internalize that you don't need any help. So therefore your child should be able to do it themselves or they should know better. Hmm generational patterning is very tricky. So with without one-on-one deep reflection, it is impossible for me to discuss with certainty what might be happening in your home with a certain situation that's triggering or ask or you're telling yourself that you're the worst mom in the world. However, the universal key to rooting yourself in understanding is that we need to look at our own triggers so that we can best support our children through their their triggers. So remember, 
I will say this over and over again. Parenting is a long game and we won't know if we did a good job probably ever, but we can change, evolve, grow and work on our own toolbox. This is exhausting. Yeah, it's a lot, which is why I wanted to create this space to talk about it. So we can start to help you ease into parenting, a parenting structure that feels good, but also breeds results. Those results being emotionally intelligent, kind, thoughtful, courageous, curious, strong, independent, impactful children. Now let's talk about boundaries. First, we will eliminate any preconceived notion that you may feel that tell us that boundaries must be harsh to establish parent power. If you have that idea as I begin this conversation, I hope that you will just listen and see if what I say will help you to see that boundaries are actually a collaborative process where you can give yourself power, but not at the expense of the joy of your children. So the whole energy around establishing boundaries is to connect and cooperate with your child. We are not enforcing anything, but we're actually providing a structure. Before we can talk about establishing boundaries, we need to talk about where a boundary will come from. When a child exhibits undesirable behaviors as a result of not wanting to follow a direction, so honoring a boundary, there will inevitably be a pushback from both parties, you and your child. So as we attempt to offer solutions and come to a resolution together, we must be rooted and securely attached to our family values. Here's the key. Family values. This means that we need to know what is important to us as a family. Have you ever thought about what's important to you and your family structure? Because this is where your boundaries or your rules or your limits will come from as well as most decisions that we make in our lives. Most everything we do is because we find value in it or we find value in the process of doing it, even if it's hard. So I encourage you to take five minutes, type into Google family values list and take a peek. Browse this list and without overthinking, identify 10 of your core values. This is not a practice that should have anything to do with how you feel you should or shouldn't pick. Typically, these words will jump right out at you and you really don't even have to overthink it. Here are a few values that may or may not resonate with you and your family. Accountability, adventure, accomplishment, beauty, calm, challenge, collaboration, communication, competition, equality, faith, fairness, freedom, fun, generosity, hard work, gratitude, leadership, loyalty, money, merit, perseverance, safety, service, simplicity, spirit, status, strength, independence, innovation, punctuality, trust, unity. This list is obviously by no means all-inclusive, but it's a simple taste of some examples of values that a lot of families hold. Next, we can move from understanding where our family rules come from to actually creating and implementing and holding them. So I want to repeat this. The whole energy around establishing boundaries is to connect and cooperate with your child. We are not enforcing anything. We are providing structure. We are trusting our children here. And this may be very hard to do at first, especially if trusting your child is not something that you're used to. We're trusting that our children will learn our family limits over time. This comes from a lot of practice and empathy. Your job is to be the emotional coach, especially during times of struggle. This means we will work to be present and supportive when we're having these big feelings while approaching the situation with empathy. Remember, children will do good if they can. No child wants to feel out of control and they never want to be labeled as bad. Instead, we ask, what is the unmet need here? 
We have to understand how to treat children or we're going to continue to feel crazy and exhausted. And boundaries will set up our kids for success long-term. This does not mean that our boundaries won't change and they won't evolve, especially as our children grow. Honestly, this is something I think about very often with my own children. I get curious as how things will shift as they grow. What will I let go of and what will we dig our heels deeper on? Both exciting and terrifying to think about, right? So I thought offering an example of a boundary and then how it's rooted in our values and how our situation might play out in our own home. So here's an example. This is the boundary. We don't hit our siblings in our home. The value that it's rooted in is kindness and safety. Those are two values in our home that we find are at the top of our list. Young children will often show their frustration with a sibling through aggression. So this is developmentally appropriate, especially for kids who are unable to communicate effectively. This does not mean that we have to allow it to happen, though. I have to say that just six months ago, aggression between siblings and sometimes even against us as parents was an everyday thing. Our youngest boy had a very difficult time speaking and then often resulted in hitting and screaming. So with consistently upholding this boundary every single day, we were able to shift this behavior, understand more of the need, and then also help him identify strategies that worked better that also met his same need. With younger kids, you will sometimes need to give them the language too. I don't always recommend speaking for your child as I truly feel that it's a skill that I find highly important for them to be able to establish and learn to speak for themselves. However, in the years of language development, it is important for us to give them those words to use so that they can start to model and use them themselves. Okay, so your child just hit his sister and now there's crying and screaming. Here's the scenario as it might play out in my home. And again, not 100%, and this is also not exactly how you need to do it. It's just an example. So I would quickly eliminate distractions if possible and go to the child in need. Even if I'm not perfectly regulated and calm, I am present as I walk over. So I'm going to calmly and consciously walk over to my kids. And while I kneel in front of the children, I begin to focus on slowing down my own heart rate with deep exhalations. My child might feel this too, and their nervous system matches mine. I will say something like this. I'm here to help. I'm feeling really tense right now and frustrated, to be honest, because I was just trying to make dinner. So help me understand what's going on. Sunny, you seem upset and angry. And Maeve, you seem sad. Who wants to go first? As a parent in this moment, I will attempt to let any judgments and labels for the situation go. I will also release my to-do list and I will attempt to stay as present as possible. Spend time to make the time. Be in the moment to help eliminate or limit future episodes such as this later on. My words will become my child's inner voice here, so I will, again, remain conscious and compassionate. I might say something like, Maeve, I can imagine you feel hurt and frustrated that Sonny hit you. I feel like he may have been moving so fast and he got so upset so quickly that he didn't have time to think about making a better choice or using his words. And now I would check in. Should I talk more? Should I offer more empathy? Or should I just let my child respond? And in the instance of Maeve, I know that she will have a response. So I stop talking and I let her talk. She might say something like this. He always hits me when he doesn't get his way. He does this every time. I don't want to play with him anymore. And here I might offer some empathy for her. And I I might say it's normal and okay to feel that this happens every day even if it doesn't, right? We don't have to be like, it doesn't happen every day, Maeve. That is how she's feeling right now. 
And then when he does this, it does make sense that you don't want to play with him. Then I would address Sonny. Sonny, it's okay to be angry. It is not okay to hit. I will not allow you to hit. There are times when I would even grab his wrist while saying this to prevent him from hitting again. We can talk about other ways to show your anger when you get upset. Would you like to tell me why you hit Maeve? And Sonny may so say something like, Maeve not share. Those are, that's the extent of his sentence right, right now. Maeve not share. I might offer something. Hmm. I hear how much you want to play with her toys. And I would again repeat, hitting is not allowed in our home. We are safe with our bodies. Hands are for helping, not hitting. At this point, I may offer some ways to explore the solutions together. Based on the situation, this also may take place later at night during bedtime, for example. I find that bedtime, this is the very best time to connect with my kids as they're laying down in bed. I also want to offer this. I just mentioned that about six months ago, hitting was a daily occurrence for our youngest child, Sunny. And so I was racking my brain, obviously offering these types of solutions and conversations with him, but I was racking my brain on what it was that he needed in these moments. And I found that based on the scenario and based on the timing of things and based on what was happening prior to the hitting occurrence and after the hitting occurrence and why he was getting so upset and why he resulted in aggression, I personally found that Sonny was seeking connection. There was lots of outside factors happening in our home, such as a new baby. And I noticed that Sonny needed some extra connection. He's the third child and there's two older kids who get a lot of attention because they're able to do things independently and able to communicate. Um, and he was not. So what I did is I made a conscious effort to spend one-on-one -on -one time with Sonny every single night. It became my job to brush his teeth, put him to bed, read his book with him, chat with him, sing the ABCs, count to 20 every single night. And when I say this has truly changed things for Sonny, it absolutely has. So again, looking at that unmet need, what is Sonny asking for? What is he seeking in these moments of aggression? And for him, it was just simple connection. And that looked like one-on-one -on -one connection because he was so bombarded with everybody else seemingly all of the time. So here are some different options to offer a child in a situation like this. Giving him a place with soft things to hit, like pillows. Because aggression is, it's fine. It's it, Oftentimes it's healthy, but it can't be directed at a person, right? It has to be directed at something that's going to allow him to get his aggression out. Stomping, for example, or uh, moving his body in a way, offering ways to calm down, running around the house or outside, uh, counting to five, blowing out an imaginary candle, closing his eyes and imagining something that makes him feel love or feel happy, a time in corner. So this would be separate from timeouts, dedicating a space in your home for your child to decompress with some of their favorite tools or just pillows. And in my classroom, I used to use what I would call mission control, where it was one of these time in corners where the kids were just able to go and sit in a chair at any point in the day and they could take as little or as long as they needed to just sit there and use it. And I found that no kid abused that power. They just simply used it to calm down their bodies and it worked super, super well. Parenting often sounds like a broken record, but when we establish and follow through with our boundaries, we're offering our child trust. I believe that when our children know 
that we will do what we say we will do. They are building our trust one situation at a time. So in five, 10 years, when the problems get more difficult, they will know that their parents will be there for them. We will hold boundaries and consequences and expectations, all of which they will explicitly know, ideally, (laughs) and they will also know that we are a safe place for them. We offer them respect and in turn receive respect back from them. In a later episode, I will talk about healthy aggression, but I want to jump back into boundaries here and offer some conflict resolution tips that will still honor and uphold your boundaries. Here are some magical phrases to use during conflict resolution. Tell me more. Sunny, I hear you say that Maeve was being mean and calling you rude names and your body felt so angry. Did your hands grab her? Tell me more about that. Another phrase is, is it true that? Mason. Is it true that you called Maeve names? I wonder what you must have been feeling to say those names to her. Another phrase. Am I getting this right? So it sounds like you two were struggling with big, strong feelings and you were not sure how to navigate it in a safe way. Is that right? Next, we will shift into addressing the situation at hand by naming and facilitating mutually beneficial outcomes for all of the parties involved. I wanted to share an excerpt from the book, The Soul of Discipline by Kim John Payne. And this is all about the ages and stages of children. And I thought it was super fascinating. So around two years old, which is my little Sunny right now, it is the little emperor stage. So they're waking up to the world around them and discovering their own willpower. And they're feeling a sense of I am almighty and I am the only one in the universe. Pushing boundaries is a super normal milestone and they'll just want to understand why. They're longing to understand how the world works and how relationships work. Around five years old, which is my little knave, uh, you are not the boss of me. They push away from the motherly fold, wanting to do things their own way, yet still needing a lot of help. Then around nine years old, we're on the cusp of they're leaving early childhood behind, but they're not yet fully in middle childhood. So this phase is characterized by insecurities and pushback against these family rules. Around 13 years old, this is identified as the Huck Finn and Pippi Longstocking years. They're experiencing all the well-known hormonal changes, but it's also the age of breakout and discovery. So around 16 years old, this is a time that's closed for reconstruction. A lot of energy goes inward as they try to work out who they are. While they're hypersensitive and emotionally raw, they're also capable of spectacular intensity towards others. They have so many decisions to make and new responsibilities to consider, yet still want to have fun and be free. They seem they may seem to regress to needing co-regulation like they did as toddlers or in early childhood, but it, they may seem confused by their longing to be close and simultaneously longing to push away. So consider these ages and stages as you're developing boundaries, upholding boundaries, and then also evolving your boundaries and kind of changing them. Boundaries do not need to be set in stone from birth to 18, right? They can evolve and they will evolve and they should evolve. But it's important to consider the ages and stages and development of your children at the time. As adults, you may believe that you should determine how a boundary is followed, especially if you were not allowed to participate in negotiations or collaboration around family values and limits as a kid. But ultimately, the value beneath the limit is the reason why you're committed to doing this and the negotiation process thereafter. This is an intense topic for sure. There are so many avenues and directions that this conversation could go. I tried to keep it as concise as possible, but I could truly spend so much more time here. But for today, 
I'll leave you with this. Children need to feel safe and protected as they grow. Clear boundaries create an environment of support around a child within which they can explore and engage themselves with others and with the world. Have a beautiful week. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I hope you love this episode. And if you did, would you please share it with another mom friend? We cannot support each other enough these days. And perhaps sharing this podcast will bring some light to someone else in your life. Feel free to leave a rating and review so we can continue to have these important parenting conversations together. With that, I'll see you next time. Take care.